Thank you, Millard. Well, it's Missions Conference, and our speaker today, Dr. Paul Williams, uh, blessed us on Friday night, uh, and we look forward to more uh, of what he has to say. If you read uh, his bio there in your bulletin, you'll see that he has a lot of experience all over the world, a lot of um, medical missions experience, and a real heart uh, for uh, using the medical experience to bring Jesus to the lives of people who don't know him. So um, we look forward to hearing again from our speaker, Dr. Paul Williams. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed my time Friday night and being able to speak and share with you. And it was a real surprise for me to see Phil coming after all the peace. I think it's 55 years since we were together. That's, uh, I guess I do have gray hair. I guess that goes along with that, doesn't it? I guess there's been some time that has passed. But I tell you what, I have really been blessed by your congregation and by your leadership. Uh, Jim Garrett, whom I've uh, actually, for a number of years now, uh, we've gone to the In His Image Family Practice Residency uh, retreat uh, at New Life Ranch, and uh, for eight days, my wife and I are going to mom and pop to the second year residence, and Jim Garrett is there always talking about the doulos principle, and I know none of you have heard of that before, right? You know, <laughs> I tell you what, that is such a, a tremendous book, and when I l listen to him speak, he would share with me about uh, your governance here within the church and how you had a plurality of leadership and it really blessed me and I always had an interest in being able to learn more about you and that's proven to be true as I've come to know several of your leaders over this period of time. I've known Joel for a long time now and uh, also now Jim of course for a period of time. I've been also blessed uh, to be able to have um, Carl Fanstill here, a pediatrician. Uh, he's been on some trips with me. <laughs> He also in the past has been affiliated within his Image Family Practice Residency and uh, just uh, often I've stayed with him uh, whenever I've come into the Tulsa area. He and his wife, Roberta, have been just a real blessing and we've had great times of fellowship. In fact, I've been really uh, appreciative of Chuck and Diane uh, taking care of me these days that I've been up here for this mission conference. They've been a real blessing. Uh, I think I'm talking their ear off, but anyway, I just... Uh, <laughs> They keep dra dragging things out of me, so it's been a lot of fun and, uh, to be able to talk about these things. And it was very interesting for me to, um, uh, when I, the first day I was there with them, I found out that Diane has been memorizing Bible verses for 20-some years, and she took out this list of, of verses, and here was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and each day. She has a whole list of many different scriptures that she's memorized uh, through the years. But she said the Lord laid a new scripture on her this week for this week, and she didn't really know why, and it wasn't one of those that she had memorized in the past. And she said, do you know Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 6? It's too small a thing for me to give you Israel and Jacob, which I've kept, or Jacob and Israel, which I've kept back. But I'll also make you a light to the Gentiles and bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. And I quoted that for her, and I said, "You know what? That's the verse that the Lord put on my heart to call me to work among the Jewish diaspora." I couldn't believe. I thought, "How many of you know?" Isaiah 49.6 by memory. <laughs> I would think it would be very few would know that. And it really blew me away to realize that that was the verse that the Lord had laid on her heart. And God had actually um, called me, and I was at a Messianic conference up in Maryland, and uh, I had just left Operation Blessing, and I was trying to figure out the direction of what God wanted me to do. And there was a person with Cocoon Ministry, uh, Dan Juster, Jew, a Messianic Jewish brother. And he was preaching. He, he shared that particular verse. And I was uh, at the altar, and I was actually, my face was, as they say, I was sucking carpet. You know, I was, uh, my face was on the ground. And so anyway, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in my, in my spirit and said, I want you to be involved with... Um, the Jewish diaspora that want to go back and do Aliyah uh, into Israel. 
And I remember arguing with the Lord uh, because I'd been in 103 countries at that particular time. And uh, my staff was there and I was trying to figure out, well, my staff doesn't know anything about this calling to work among the Jewish diaspora. What are they going to feel about all of this? And it was one of those times when I literally had the uh, time stood still. I don't, I don't think I've ever had this happen quite this way because Dan just t- talked about it's too small a thing for me to give you Jacob and Israel, which I've kept back. But I, I then was arguing with God. It was like the argument that I had with God was almost as if time stood still. And then when he read the next part of the verse, it said, and I'll also make you a light to the Gentiles and bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. And I realized the Lord was combining both my call to work among the Jewish people with my call to be around the world, and he was bringing those two things together. It was just such an awesome moment to realize uh, what God had done. And so I've, I've since done about uh, oh, 10, 11 trips uh, among the Jewish diaspora. In fact, one of the trips I took down to Zimbabwe, I think I was working among some of the uh, lost tribe of Levi. Some of them are down there. Um, and I didn't even realize that I was uh, working among them until later. They just recently have been discovering that some of those folks down there, when they've done genetic studies, that they actually found out that they have uh, Levitical blood, even more than some of those that are in Israel itself. Uh, it's just an absolutely awesome thing. And I remember standing in Chimutsi. It's a, it's a really just a, a bus stop. Uh, we were in a church there, very, very humble church, um, and we were doing a medical team there, and uh, I remember standing there, and it was in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we stayed in a 5,000-star hotel, if you know what I mean. Now, there's 5,000 stars <laughs> in the sky, <laughs> and, uh, you know, they had people that came along and took a 50-gallon drum of water, and then someone to come along and light fires underneath it to, to be able to get hot water during the when you need to take a shower. But, uh, so that was a 5,000-star hotel. But uh, I remember standing there in this very, very humble church and looking around, and I felt the presence of God. I said, God, this is out in the middle of nowhere, and your presence is just so strong here. And it was only going to be years later that I found out it's very possible that the people that we were ministering to were probably of the Levitical tribe. It just, it really blows my mind when I stop and think about how God has not stopped following his people around the world. Amen? And um, I don't tell very many people this uh, because it confuses them. Uh, The name of our ministry we go by is International Healthcare Network. Um, And I've been in 106 countries now and over 200 medical mission trips and all. But... When we named the ministry and incorporated it, the name of the ministry that the Lord gave me was Yeshua Medical Ministries. That is the legal name, incorporated name, is Yeshua Medical Ministries. And uh, I said, Lord, it, it, I, I guess it's okay that we do a DBA, doing business as International Healthcare Network, because, you know, you were born in Bethlehem, but everybody knew you as the Nazarene. And so we're really Yeshua Medical Ministries, but we go as International Healthcare Network because when we work among Arabs and Muslims and Jewish people, uh, we can't really go in there as Yeshua Medical Ministries, but that's really who we are. <laughs> we're Yeshua Medical Ministries, and I tell you what, I love Yeshua, and I love Israel, and I love what God is doing over there, and I'm looking forward to his return because that's... By the way... Um, I like to use the name Yeshua because that's what his mother called him, you know. And uh, I, I, I just really love that term. When I told my mom uh, that we're going to name the ministry Yeshua Medical Ministries, she said, why are you naming it Yeshua Medical Ministries? People won't be able to spell it for checks, you know, to support your ministry. Because <laughs> she wasn't familiar with the, with the name Yeshua. But when I shared that with my cousin, Dolly, whose mother was involved with the prophetic, my Aunt Florence, she started to cry. She said, your Aunt Florence would have loved that because Yeshua is the one that we are elevating. He's the one that we're bringing before the people. And so she just broke down. And Anyway, that was a, just a tremendous time. I want to just share with you just a, a little bit. By the way, 
I have my book that shares a lot of my stories about medical missions. It's Decisions Determine Destiny. Um, that was a favorite saying of my father. And I, I know some of you were here Friday night, but not all of you. Uh, the last sermon that he ever preached was Decisions Determine Destiny. Uh, we were at my oldest son's church uh, up in uh, Elkhart, uh, uh, Indiana. And he was, my dad was in a wheelchair, 93 years of age. And my son on one side and myself on the other, we lifted him in the wheelchair, put him on the platform, and he preached the last sermon of his life was Decisions Determine Destiny. Speaking of the decision that Ruth made to stay with Naomi, whether thou goest, I will go, whether thou lodgest, I will lodge, thy people shall be my people, thy God will be my God. It was her decision to do that that made her an ancestor of David that makes her an ancestor of Yeshua. Isn't that incredible? Decisions do determine destiny. And the other major statement that my father uh, taught me that, I've, that it's always impacted me is the price of spiritual progress is obedience to the known will of God. He said, whenever you know the next step, don't worry about step two, step three, step four. Some people just can't say, Lord, tell me the end result before I take the first step. Nope, it's take the next step. When you know what the next step is, take it. And then he'll show you the next step and un unveil different things ahead uh, for you. And I'd like to show you a couple of uh, videos uh, to start things off so you get an idea of some of my mission experiences. Um, we started healthcare ministries for the Assemblies of God back in 84. We were with them until uh, 94. In 94, we joined with Operation Blessing and started their medical division up there in Virginia Beach. In fact, some of you are old enough. Do you remember the Flying Hospital? Do you remember the Flying Hospital? Well, we were involved with the development of that whole program. And um, uh, I, for those three years, I actually had a TV crew go with every trip that we went on. You can imagine you can do that with CBN. I haven't had that kind of backup since. So the, the videos that I have that are the best that I can show you go back to 94. But they also show you... Um, what really it was like, because I've been involved with some of the most major um, disasters around the world. One of them was in Bangladesh, where 150,000 people died, and the, we w worked on the island of Katubdia, where 40,000 people died. And we were the first relief effort uh, after three weeks. Can you believe that? You know, if we don't have somebody within three hours after a disaster, we're complaining. But three weeks later, we were the first relief effort on an island where 40,000 people had died, and then also was involved with uh, the tsunami, uh, earthquake and tsunami over in Sumatra, over in Banda Aceh, uh, Indonesia, and a couple hundred thousand people had died there. But what I'm going to show you, uh, the first video that you're going to see, is uh, uh, going into Goma Zaire, which is now Congo. And if you remember uh, back in 1994, uh, how many remember the conflagration and the genocide in Rwanda. I'd be curious to know, okay. Well, I'm going to show you the results of a million refugees being fleeing out of Rwanda, coming into Goma Zaire, which is now Congo. And the day we arrived, there were 10,000 bodies on the ground, and 60,000 people died over about six weeks. And I'm going to show you some of that footage. It's very just a few minutes. And then following that, I'm going to show you a video out of Sortovala, which is in western uh, Russia. And, you know, Russia is now not the open nation that it used to be. There was a very narrow window of time when Russia would allow almost anybody to come in. It was such an incredible freedom to share the gospel. And I was so pleased when I saw different uh, organizations immediately drop everything and just immediately flood Russia with thousands of people sharing the gospel. And I saw other mission organizations that couldn't get out of their traditional side of things. They said, well, to be able to go, we've got to have people learn how to speak Russian, and uh, they've got to go to their classes, and they've got to spend two years learning the language. And others just said, God's called us, the door's open, and they walk through. And we saw thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But in this second video, which is a short one as well, um, it shows kind of how we would set up clinics, and we still do that today. We would actually have 
people come into cubicles. Many times they're temporary structures, sometimes just curtains that separate out. Uh, we'll examine them. Uh, then they'll go to a, a counseling area. Then they'll go to receive their medications. But we always had the healthcare professionals share Jesus Christ with the people themselves. I've always believed in treating bodies, soul, and spirit. There's so many programs out there that have spent so much time uh, treating the body, but they don't treat the spirit. And if you, I tell you what, he that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God does not have life. And if you don't somehow impart Jesus Christ to these people, you're walk, they're walking away dead. It's Jesus that gives life. Now, there are some countries that we go to, and I know a lot of you are supporting uh, people in different nations where you can't have that freedom uh, to be able to witness, at least not in an open way. But even in those countries, God will give you wisdom and direction as to how to, through your life and quiet witness and behind the scenes, be able to make a, a difference and a lasting difference because God will make a way when we make ourselves available to Him. And so I'm just so real... In fact, I just want to say this about you as a, as a church. I have had this anticipation of being able to speak to you today. God wants to do something. You guys have such an incredible, rich history. When I learn about what God has done through you, when I see some of the leadership that you have of people that have gone out and really sacrificed their lives for all their adult lives, they've given it to Jesus. I feel such comfort, such, such unity of spirit, of, of purpose and cause with you, and I believe God's got a message for you this morning. He wants to renew something here. He wants to see revival come. And you guys are such a rich, fertile field with the un deep understanding, more so than almost any congregation I've ever spoken to. You've got such maturity, and it's just, you know, hopefully with gray hair comes wisdom. You know, I just would like to believe that that's true. But God has something here for you, and I really do believe I have something that I really want to share with you later. But I want you to see some of the things that God has allowed me to be involved with that... You First is going to be looking at Goma Zaire, and the second one's going to be in Sortavala, working in western Russia, which uh, used to be part of Finland. And we actually were going to that area, working with the Finnish Pentecostal church, going into western Russia, and some of the people we were working with said, we were born here. This was our, our country, and we were forced out by the Russians. So it's a very interesting story. Let, if you'll show them, and just show them in sequence. say that the reason I'm here is that God called me to come here to help these people. She called me up early in the morning and said, honey, if you're supposed to go, you better go. We'll be okay. And I said, are you sure? And she said, yep. I've been up all night praying about it. It was just something I felt inside that it was, it was the will of God. Psalm 91 came to uh, the forefront in such a mighty way the idea that a thousand would fall at one side and ten thousand on the other side, I always look at that as being figurative. But here I was actually looking at where those numbers were actually happening in a physical sense. I heard in the States, going and used that um, a few hundred people were dying per day of cholera. I witnessed mile after mile of bodies on each side of the road, oceans of uh, people living in squalor amongst dead bodies wandering aimlessly. The smell of death was one thing that I was told I'd never forget. I looked at his leg and I saw a little vein in his leg and I put a needle there and I got a vein in it and that meant the difference between life and death for this young man. The rest of these babies along this row here uh, are actually orphans and uh, we were having difficulties when they first came in down there to get IVs started and so we've started nasogastric tubes on them and given a very slow uh, drip into their stomachs and they all seem to be tolerating it very well. 
the medical supplies um, did a lot. It, it gave us the power in our hands to show the people how to take care of themselves. It has just been the most beautiful day. We finally have gotten a handle on the problems of the colony's children. So far today, we've had no babies die. Every patient I touched, I prayed for. I know physically there was a number of patients that, that we saved. There were some that were next to dead and just the uh, care that we gave them, that they're now alive and they walked out instead of dying, which they would have done within hours. They saw Jesus in me and they saw that I, I was caring. I really would like to stimulate those of you in the pews in the United States to not just look at the pictures that you see over TV, but to where you let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart and say, how can I become involved? Some of you can come, but there are others of you that can either pray, and I'll tell you what, prayer is such a mighty weapon, and we need to pull down strongholds in prayer, but then otherwise, you can give. But whatever you can do, I ask you, don't be put back by the tremendous need and saying, well, what will my little bit do? It's going to be by a lot of people doing a little bit that's going to make the real difference. The journey was tiring. The roads were dangerous. The accommodations were spartan, but they had to come. The long days blurred with the nights. The crowds were large, and the workers became weary, but they had to come. For Yuri. When I came, I was bad. It was hard for me to He told us about his loneliness. He had epilepsy, heart problems. He had a problem with his stomach, a gastritis. And we treated his medical problems. But the most special thing was, is after that, we talked to him about Jesus. And he received Jesus in a most beautiful way. He said that uh, Jesus helped him, and it's easier for him to live now. I love you. And you can just see them coming in, coming in, ready to be ministered to physically, but their spiritual needs even speak louder. For Elena and Ludmilla. It's very difficult for many people, especially the people of my age, to accept God because for many, many years we were assured that there are no God. Ludmilla is a Russian teacher, wife of a former Communist Party official. She'd come to the tent only to translate for the doctors. But it was the doctors who were able to translate a message to her. He found the words that my soul need, my heart need, because he prayed for me. And uh, I felt that uh, God came to my heart. Ludmilla wasted no time in sharing what had happened to her. She invited one of her favorite students, 20-year-old Elena, to the tent. I came just to see a clinic. But when I turned to her and asked her, does she believe in God, she said, no. I said, but I want to tell you a story in the Bible. As she realized what it meant to be born again, she said, happy birthday to me. And before she left, she ended up uh, saying, this is the chair I was born in. I was born because it's just... The revolution in myself. Jesus is the truth. I've got freedom my, of my soul. We are like uh, fishermen, and the net is there, and he's grabbing them in. <laughs> For Lydia. I was ashamed of coming. I was afraid people would say, where are you going, old lady? You have already lived. Lydia's heart is weak. She's 86 and has lived a long, hard life. She's lived long enough to see communism rise and fall. Long enough to raise 10 children. Long enough to be banished to Siberia and tortured. Long enough to know, as every Russian Christian knows, that it was only God who could have sustained her. 
This day, she has walked two miles to see the doctors about her heart. It's a miracle for me. I am so happy that I have lived to this moment. I don't know how to thank you. The doctors were sent to me by God. Lydia was so overwhelmed with gratitude, she invited her new American friends to her home to share what little she has. And when they left Lydia, they knew again. We get so much more than we could ever give when we see the joy come into their the eyes that were once so dark and to see the hope of Jesus Christ come in and know that they're going to make it. We have already admitted as many patients as we can possibly see today. We feel badly that we cannot attend to everyone, but I would like to share something with you. Medicine is going to last just for a short time, but faith in God will last for eternity. How many of you would like to pray with me at this time to ask Jesus to come into your heart? That was quite an experience. In fact, I wish I could have pointed out to you my wife and daughter that were with me. The daughter looks almost just like Elena there. I was able to take them on that particular trip. But that was one of the times when I saw the Holy Spirit show up in a way which you often would be put off. If you walked up to somebody in, uh, in Russia or some other place and they said to you, uh, as I did to this young girl, Elena, I said, do you believe in God? And she said, no. Now, most of the time, you would just turn around and just then start doing something else. But rather than doing that, I said to her, I want to tell you a story out of Revelations chapter 3 and verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and will open the door of their heart, I'll come into them and I'll fellowship with them. And when I said that, the Holy Spirit absolutely just showed up in just such a tangible way. You could almost cut the presence of the Lord with a knife. It was so heavy, uh, realizing that the Holy Spirit was there, so much so that I just looked at Elena and I said, Elena, do you feel like maybe Jesus is knocking on your heart's door right now? And she said, yes. She, she had just said five minutes before she didn't believe in God. And she invited Jesus into her heart and when she accepted the Lord, and I then went on to explain what it meant to be born again, that's when she said, Happy birthday to me. And then she turned to the chair where she had prayed, and she said, This is the chair I was born in. Now, that's in less 10 minutes where you go from not believing in God to where all of a sudden you understand that your spirit's been revived and born again. And I'll tell you what, when you obey what the Holy Spirit says in your life, you're going to find out God's going to show up in ways that you would never expect. We don't have to understand where things are going to go. All we have to do is be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And just remember, decisions determine destiny. I, I can't tell you, in fact, I wrote this book. Initially, I started writing it to have the stories of my family that I could share with my kids and grandkids. Because I'll tell you what, you can never sit down and share everything that you would like to share with your family. But if you write it down, they can read about it and understand you can pass that legacy on. And so that was part of my initial feeling when I started to write. But then I realized this is a message that's bigger than that. And I really wanted to just share with people how did God speak to me? There have been times when he's spoken to me in dreams. I've also had a vision one time. And he's also uh, sp spoken to me through spelling words. It's, a, it's crazy how God works with me sometimes, but he, he spells words in my, my mind that I don't even know what they mean. I have to get up in the morning and re look up in the dictionary what it meant, and then I realize that he answered a problem. Like one, one time, one of the words was avuncular. How many of you know what avuncular means? Okay, I've got at least one hand raised, two hands were raised. 
Okay, well, I didn't know what it meant at that time, but it has to do with a maternal uncle. And uh, it so happens that one of the situations I was facing dealt with a maternal uncle, and the Lord was telling me that was the answer to the question that I had in my mind. Uh, <laughs> one time, you know, the, the word that he spelled was M-E-N-D-A-C-I-O-U-S. How many know what that means? Mendacious. How many know what mendacious means? Okay, I see another person. Some must be a linguist over there knowing how well, about uh, mendacious. I didn't know what mendacious meant. I looked it up the next morning. In fact, it was at a time when I was trying to seek after God with all my heart, and I was trying to find God's will. I was, I was really wanting to draw close to the Lord, and, and it was during this period of time that he spells this word in my mind, and M-E-N-D-A-C-I-O-U-S. I didn't know what it meant, so I got up in the morning, and I looked it up, and it says, a tall tale or a lie. Uh-oh. Uh, here I was expecting God to tell me some wonderful thing, but he was just saying there was some mendacity in my life. There were some things in my life that I needed to clean up. There were some things that I wasn't even aware of it that I was, I was not doing that was pleasing to him. And you know, the closer you get to the Lord, the more the dust in your life and the imperfections in your life begin to show up, and God just really dealt with me that particular way. But if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, the Bible says we will be, we will be filled. Um, I wanted to, um, can you turn that clock back just about 15 <laughs> minutes? I'm going to have to skip over a bunch of stuff that I, that I want. <laughs> One of the things that God has been really dealing with me over the last few months has been to the extent that he wants his mind to be revealed to my mind. It's very easy to read the words that say that we have the mind of Christ. Or when we talk about in Romans uh, chapter 8 where it says that his spirit will uh, 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 you know, bear witness with our, uh, our spirit. But also where it says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If you're led by the spirit of God, that's how you identify whether or not you're a child of God. Is being led by the spirit of God. And, it, and when we, how many of you always know what to pray for? The truth is we almost never know how to pray for adequately. We don't really know. And so when the, I pray the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done on earth even as it is in heaven, that's one of the most powerful prayers, which used to be just a rote prayer for me. But it's a deep, meaningful prayer. Lord, may your will be done. But those that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit that lies within us is able to express himself through us and pray through us according to the will of the Father. Because he knows the mind of the Father. And therefore, when he, we pray according to the will of the Father, then we know the, that we'll have those things that we desire of him. Uh, by the way, there's a term that I learned since I've been raised in Pentecost. I'd like to know how many of you ever heard this term before, praying through? Okay, maybe not quite half of the congregation has heard that term. That used to be a common phrase that was used that when you didn't know what to pray for you would pray and pray until you had this internal sense not that you had the answer in front of you but you had the assurance in your heart God's answered that prayer praying through until you knew that the answer was there then you can stand up and say thus saith the Lord it's going to happen in fact one of the problems among the faith movement sometimes has been that we've divorced wishful thinking uh, uh, we've included wishful thinking and just trying to declare something is going to happen as opposed to speaking forth the will of God and what God has actually said. Now, if you pray through and you know that God has said to you that this is what you're supposed to do, then you can just move forward with that and you can declare it. I remember when I was 11 years old and God spoke to my heart and said, I want you to be in full-time service. And when I shared that with other um, Adults, when I shared it to, with, to, with adults, sometimes some of them would encourage me, like my mom and dad, but there are others that would pat me on the head and just say, that's nice, that's wonderful, but you knew that they really didn't believe that God had spoken to you. But I remember looking up at them, I didn't say it with my mouth, that'd be disrespectful, but in my heart I was saying, you don't understand, God spoke to me. And when God has spoken to you, you can declare what he says. And so like, I've also had this uh, happen before, that when I would pray for healing, because one of the things that was read just earlier was about, you know, those that believe, they'll, 
lay hands on the sick and they will recover. How come everybody doesn't recover? And I, and I remember the scripture even Jesus said, he said, this t- comes up only by prayer and fasting. And I'm thinking about the fact, sometimes we need to pray through. And then when God gives us that witness in our spirit that he's answered our prayer, then we can with boldness declare, this is going to happen. This person's going to be healed. But to just walk up to anybody that sickens and say, you're going to be healed, that, that doesn't, that doesn't work. You can't say with the same degree of confidence. But what the difference is that when the Holy Spirit inside of you tells you what his will is, then you can declare boldly that that's what you're supposed to do. I remember when I was um, 16 years old and I just graduated from high school and I had, my, had three or four options of what I was going to do that summer and I had this sense that God's uh, in this summer and was there was an important uh, that was going to uh, important decision to be made what I was going to do at that time and I was so confused in my mind I actually felt dizzy and I, I ended up lying down on a couch um, just agonizing just saying God show me what I'm supposed to do when I woke up from a nap on, on the couch there was a knowing inside my spirit I knew exactly what I was supposed to do I don't remember him saying anything to me. I didn't dream anything. There was just a knowing inside. And I was supposed to go to Gary, Indiana to work with my uncle with the youth up in Gary, Indiana. But it was through that that ultimately I got in contact with Chicago Teen Challenge. The first year they were there in Chicago, that revolutionized my life, working with drug addicts and teenage gangs walking the streets. Uh, one of the first persons that I witnessed to was a 14-year-old black girl that, was, that already had had twins. She had been impregnated by her father, and her father was in prison. And here I am trying to say, Jesus is the answer for you. And I learned that Jesus was the answer. I learned the people that were drug addicts that would sometimes come into the halfway house, and they would go cold turkey, and some of them would go through terrible withdrawals, but others were divinely touched and never went through withdrawals that God would just heal. I saw God work in an incredible way. It was something, it was a really a, a, a learning school for me, and God spoke to my heart the next summer. I was supposed to go to Teen Challenge out in Los Angeles, and I had some of the most incredible dreams. I'm going to just play a little, um, well, I, I just want to ask this question. Now, there's enough gray hair here that maybe you know this. Um, how many of you ever remember years and years ago, back in the 60s, a, a song called Itty Bitty Tear? Burl Ives sang it, so did Eddie Arnold. Uh, and, uh, and Make the World Go Away. How many of you ever heard the song, Make the World Go Away, Take the World Off My Shoulders? Okay, there's more of you that responded yes to that. Well, I was 18 years old, and one night I was there in a teen challenge in Los Angeles, and uh, the team left me. Everybody thought I was in a, one of the cars that we were, uh, we all went there in co- different cars, and we didn't determine who's, who was in which car, and they left me there. I ended up staying in that area in Long Beach all night long. I witnessed till 5 o'clock in the morning. That night, I had four people uh, that received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and one of them was Hank Cochran, who wrote the song, Itty Bitty Tear, Let Me Down, and Take the World Off My Shoulders. Turns out he was about 27, 28 years old, and he told me probably 4 o'clock in the morning as I'm walking there, and I'm sharing with him, and, and uh, I said, uh, I tried to have him receive Jesus, and he said no. He said, when I was about 11, 12 years old, my, my dad died, and ever since my dad died, I died. And he says, I took my dad's Bible and tore it up and threw it away. But then I said to him, I said, uh, Hank, I said, uh, do you want to see your dad again? He said, yes, of course I do. I said, well, the only way you're going to see him again is to be able to know the same Jesus that he knew. And as it turns out, in actual fact, uh, his dad had not died. His mother had died. His dad had put him into an orphanage, and uh, he felt abandoned by his father. And he ended up uh, running away a number of times. He got raised by his uh, grandparents, and then he went out to California. It was when he was out in California that I met him on the streets 4 o'clock in the morning and he got on the bus with me as I was going back to University of South, Southern California and I didn't realize at the time he said, do you know the song Itty Bitty Tear? and I'd actually heard it he said, I wrote it and that was some of this, that's why I was testing your knowledge of secular music from many years ago 
but God gave me that uh, opportunity. Now, I'm going to have to skip over some things because the Holy Spirit, I believe, has something that he wants to, um, to have me share with you. By the way, we're offering hope to people. You know, one of the terms that um, as a child, uh, I don't know why it was, but the way the Lord worked with me, I, um, I always anticipated the return of Jesus Christ. And it never took hope away from me. In fact, it was called the blessed hope. I, I always wanted to, to do everything I could to share Jesus Christ with others. And, uh, and yet I thought I would never get married. Well, I've been married 53 years this year. I didn't think I'd ever have kids. I've got four kids. Didn't think I'd have grandkids. I've got eight grandkids. Now I have one great-grandbaby. I thought when the Lord called me to missions that I would never actually be a missionary, that I would just have that as a direction for my life, but that he was going to come before I'd ever be a missionary. Well, I've been doing missions 35 years, 106 countries, and so... You never know what it is, but I knew that the Lord had spoken to my heart about the direction uh, that he wanted me to go. And I would love to bring back the word blessed hope. But the message that I really feel that is at the core of what the Lord wants me to speak to you. And so can somebody break that clock up there? Um, <laughs> probably 20 years ago. I heard a message by Jack Hayford. How, how many of you know Jack Hayford? He is, he's just an incredible brother. Um, and uh, he, uh, he spoke a, a message on God of the suddenlies that impacted me so much. I sat there and I cried for 30 minutes. The Holy Spirit just came over me. It was just something when I realized the truth of what he was actually, actually saying. And um, this goes back to uh, Isaiah chapter uh, 28, um, and uh, starting in verse 22 or 21. It says, The Lord will rise up as he did at Mount Perizim. He will rouse himself as in the valley of Gibeon to do his work, his strange work, and perform his task, his alien task. Now stop your mocking, or your change will become heavier. The Lord, the Lord Almighty, has told me of the destruction decreed against the whole land. Jack Hayford indicated, he said, this passage really has to do with the end of the age, of the end of, of, of at the time when Jesus is going to be returning back. And he said, it's going to be like it was, rise up as at Mount Perizim, uh, when Saul, King Saul was killed uh, and David was going to be anointed as as king, there was a bunch of enemies that came against David, and many, many more forces were against David. And before he could consolidate all of his troops, uh, the enemy thought they could somehow take advantage and defeat David. Well, when they came against David, God gave David an, a tremendous victory, and they called that place Baal Perazim, which means God of the breakthroughs. Okay, that's what I believe God wants for you here in this church, God of the breakthroughs, okay? Now, Perez, if you remember the name Perez, um, remember when Judah ended up having twins by his uh, daughter-in-law that he thought was a prostitute? I mean, I don't need to go back and read those scriptures, do I? Um, and uh, he thought she was a prostitute. Uh, his wife had died, and he had, had not given uh, his daughter-in-law to Sheila, his son, and... Uh, she ends up having twins. And uh, if you remember, at the time of delivery, a hand came out, and the midwife tied a scarlet thread around the hand, and then the hand came back out, and the other baby was born. And uh, she, the midwife was upset. Rather than just understanding that the one that didn't have the scarlet thread was going to be the firstborn, she got upset about this, and she named the baby Perez, which means breakthrough. And what Jack Hayford was uh, sharing so much was he said, things are going to happen before the return of Jesus Christ where there's going to be breakthrough. And it's, things are going to happen in a sequence and an order that was not expected. Things aren't going to be just as you have always seen them before. There's going to be unexpected things, unexpected order of things. And that God of the breakthroughs, God... Uh, and then 
he will rouse himself as in the valley of Gibeon. Uh, this is the story of when um, Joshua um, made this pact with the Gibeonites. Remember, uh, the Gibeonites were just after Jericho had fallen, Ai had fallen, and uh, the Gibeonites were just over the hill, just around the corner. And uh, God had told Joshua, do not make a pact with any of these people. Come in there and, and, and destroy them, push them out of the land. Well, these Gibeonites saw what had happened to Jericho. I mean, that would scare anybody. I mean, all those walls going down and Ai being destroyed. And so they said, we've got to make a pact with these people. So they went there and they took old clothes, uh, old wineskins, sandals, worn clothes, and they, they lied to the uh, children of Israel, to the leadership, to Joshua and the elders. But there's a very sad scripture in there, and it's, it's, a, uh, it's a warning. It says they did not seek the Lord. Instead, they looked at the moldy bread. They looked at the worn-out sandals. They saw the, the wineskins that were old. And, you know, the Gibeonites were very, very smart. They said, we've heard of God parting the Red Sea and you coming across the Red Sea. We heard of what he did for you in the desert. But they did not mention, we also happen to know what happened to Jericho and Ai. Had they mentioned that, then the Israelites would have known, hey, these guys... No more. They aren't so, from so far away as they say. But rather than seeking God, asking God for that decision, they went ahead and see. They went by what they could see. And that is the problem that we can run into if we go by what we see and not what we're led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God can get around all those problems. Well, a few days later, the Gibeonites are attacked by a number of Amorite kings around them. And because of this pact, they then went to Joshua and, and they said, come and deliver us. And so the Israelites were ended up having to come and fight to defend the Gibeonites, the ones that they were supposed to have driven out of the land. Here they were having to risk their own lives to protect them. They were not ever even supposed to be in that battle. But what did God do? What did God do? God answered the prayer of Joshua who prayed, sun stand still, moon stand still. And for almost the 24 hours, they ended up having a double day. God gave the greatest victory that's ever been recorded in human history after the Israelites had disobeyed God, not followed God, made a mistake, and yet when they repented... God gave them the greatest victory. I'd, love, I'd like to believe that that same thing can happen in our lives, that even if we've made mistakes, even if we've blown it, when we come back, if my people who are called by name will humble themselves, you know, pray and humble themselves, that, you know, he'll hear their, their, uh, their prayers and heal their land. But I would like to say that also, you as... Tulsa Christian Fellowship, you've had such an incredible rich history. I don't know very much about it, but I would imagine that there might be at times that there might be some dreams that have not yet been fulfilled. Now, what it says here in verse 22, that this, well, at the end of 21, it says, to do his work, his strange work, and perform his task, his alien task or unusual task. Now, stop your mocking or your chains become heavier. You know, there'll be a lot of people who say, who do you think you are that God's going to answer that, uh, your, quest, your, your desires? Make those dreams come to pass. But God says, stop your mocking or your chains will become heavier. How many of you have ever had somebody walk up to you and say that the dream that you have or the desire that you have is impossible? Who do you think you are? How many have ever had somebody say that to you? Okay, there's a number of you that have raised your hands. That people who say that to you are usually people whose dreams themselves have not come to fulfillment and they're afraid that maybe yours will and it'll show them up. It'll make them feel bad. They, they really say, well, my dreams didn't come true. God's not going to somehow do something for you, that not for me, and, and they mock you. And then, as I said Friday night when I talked about uh, Psalm 1 where it says, Blessed is the man that walks not on the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, the mocker. Don't sit there. Don't mock. 
and because or your chains will become heavier. But what I really what I really felt was one of the things that the Holy Spirit was saying to me was this. There are things that God has called TCF to. There are some dreams that some of you may feel time has passed by, that it's too late. I'm 73 years old. I feel like some of the best years of my life are ahead of me. Some of the greatest opportunities for witness are going to be ahead. And when I've actually met with some of your leadership and I just realized the wisdom that's in some of the leadership here within your body, and I, I still sense the fire of God is there. I don't think of it as being past history. I don't look at it as being something, isn't it wonderful what happened in the past? I'm looking ahead. I'm saying, I see what God's going to do. Jesus is coming back soon. And before he comes back, he's going to see, see a great revival here. I, I'm expecting even greater things than I I've ever had in my ministry in all the years of my ministry of 35 years. Amen. And I have sensed that for TCF, that God has something for you. You've got such divine energy that God has placed within you. You have such a heartbeat for God. In fact, I feel so when I get together with your leadership and we're able to sit down and talk together, there's such a oneness of spirit. There's just an incredible... You know, even my dad in his 90s wanted to have somebody come and invite him uh, to be a pastor. <laughs> uh, he said, you know, in the old days, you know, they used to have uh, uh, horses that would pull uh, fire wagons. And my dad was like the uh, old uh, horses that whenever the fire bell would ring, the horses would get jazzed up and start neighing and wanting to go. And my dad was like that. I mean, even in his 90s, he wanted to get out there and he wanted to be a pastor. Uh, again, of course, churches weren't asking a 90-some-year-old men to come and pastor them, but that's where his heart was. And I tell you what, at 73, I'm just saying, God, I think you're coming before this, but give me at least till I'm 85. You know, that's another 12 years anyway. As long as you give me energy, Lord, I want to be able to go in out there and make a difference. But the thing is, I don't want to be like the man who jumped on the horse and rode off in all directions, you know. I don't want to do that. What I want to do is, I want to have that Holy Spirit inside of me and saying, okay, Lord, you know what the mind of the Father is. You know what the mind of Christ is. Lord, you are inside of me. Pray through me. Help me to understand what the next step is, where I'm supposed to go, what you want me to do. Amen. Can you receive that word? And he's God of the suddenlies. He's a God of the breakthroughs. He's the God that things will happen out of order from what you expect. Don't be a mocker. Don't make those chains heavier. See God do a mighty breakthrough. And then when you, like Joshua will say, sun stand still, moon stand still. And did you know what? There were more people killed by hailstones than by the army of Israel. God came in a dramatic way and just said, okay, boy, there's one down there. Okay. Killed more people with the hailstones than they did through the army. Because God will intervene when we repent and come back into right relationship with Him and want to do His will. Isn't that exciting? And I see some young people up there that are just coming back down again. I was 11 when Jesus called me into full-time service. I was 14 when He gave me a vision and to called me into missions. I was 16 when he directed me into uh, medical missions and 16 when I walked the streets of Chicago and Los Angeles telling people about Jesus and seeing people make a difference, uh, God making a difference in their lives. And God wants to do the same thing today. Hallelujah. And I feel so energized by the fact of the agreement in the spirit that is coming back to me from you here in this congregation and I, they told me to quit at a quarter till, so I, I think I'm just a little bit over. But uh, I, I just feel, let me just pray for you, because I feel like the Holy Spirit really has wanted to get this message to you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for TCF. And Lord, you've given me a little glimpse of the past. But Lord, I love to know the past, but it doesn't tell me about the future. Only you know the future. And I've had this sense in my spirit in coming here that you have something unique for TCF, that there are some dreams that have not yet come to fruition, 
that, Lord, you're going to show the leadership that some things are going to happen out of order. They're going to be happening not in the order that they would necessarily expect, but because they humble themselves and they say, Lord, come and move in our midst and do, we want to do your will, that you're going to be God of the suddenlies. You're going to suddenly do this. Oh, Heavenly Father, I, can I take two, three more minutes? There's just something that I need, that I need to just add. I just... I, I feel a need to, need to say this, okay? Can, can you bear with me just a, just a second? How long did it take God to get the children of Israel out of Egypt? One day. They got pushed out so fast that the bread didn't have time to rise. After 400 years of captivity, God pushed them out in one day. After seven years of being suppressed by the Midianites and the Amalekites and others when Gideon was around, they had been suppressed for seven years. And how long did it take God to deliver the children of Israel? One day. How long did it take the Berlin Wall to come down? One day. He's a God of the suddenlies. I was in Equatorial Guinea when the wall, Berlin Wall came down and I thought it was going to take another five, ten years before the Berlin Wall came down and I saw the news the Berlin Wall is being torn down today. I look at that as generational curses. 400 years of being captivity in Egypt and people say, well that's just my family tendency. That's the anger and the bitterness is just being passed on from generation to generation. The fighting Irish, you know, that, all these different things that go through bloodlines. Alcoholism that goes through bloodlines. I'm here to tell you, in one day, in one day, those things can be broken. In one day. It doesn't take years for some of this stuff to happen. We don't have years, years and years before the return of Jesus. And so what I, my challenge is, and this is what's been in my spirit, is God of the suddenlies is going to show up here at TCF. And he's going to do things that are just out of order. They're not the way you normally would expect it. But you've got to ask him, what is the order? How do you want us to do it? You can't be like Joshua where he, they didn't consult the Lord. Consult the Lord. Find his will. But then expect him to do the unexpected. Be willing to move in ways that are not just the normal ways for yourself. Things will be done out of order. But, and he can break generational curses. He can cause you to become triumphant because you have humbled yourself. And I don't care if the devil comes to you and tells you, you've made this mistake and that mistake and this hasn't worked out in your life and you've, you've wasted your life. I'm telling you, some of the greatest ministries have started after people have been in their 70s and 80s. It doesn't require having done everything right before. But if you come into right relationship with God, God can give you a breakthrough that you would never no, otherwise. God of the suddenlies. And that's the message that I have felt on my heart in coming here to tell you that God wants to work suddenly in a short order and in ways that you don't expect. And he's wanting to bring his power to bear as I know that you've experienced in the past. So Father, right now I just ask you to show up. May your Holy Spirit move in a mighty way with this congregation. May you flow in a mighty way, Lord, we break those bondages of Satan. We, do, we refuse to accept the lies of Satan who says it can't be done, that the revival cannot really come, that the revival is past, that, that uh, the, it's a past glory. No, the, the future is actually brighter than the past. That's going to be true individually, but also corporately. And I pray for his spirit to just hover over this entire congregation. And may your word come true. And Lord, may we each one seek your face, not try to come up with our own plans, but may Holy Spirit inside of us that knows the will of the Father, knows the mind of Christ, reveal that to us. And Lord, may we pray in the spirit. And I challenge those of you that have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to receive the baptism because it says the Holy Spirit prays according to the will of the Father. And that's when it says, 
when we know that we're praying according to the will of the Father, that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to His purpose. And so I pray that blessing over you as a church right now. In Jesus' name, amen. By the way, I share a lot of my stories with this book. We're offering it for $10 for the church, but I, it's really trying to show you how to hear from God and how to be led by the Spirit of God. But, you know, I just want to see each of you come into that place where the Lord really becomes the Lord of every aspect of your life. Amen?